Thank you very fucking much, Mr. Mason. You let us into a room with no exit. Any ideas, Dillinger? Figure it out soon. We're sitting ducks. Room tight on time. Use that by the door. Until I open it. I'd like to know how you plan on accomplishing that. Through here. He's shitting me. I memorized the timing. I just hope it hasn't been changed. You catch one of those flame bursts, you're a corpse. Thank you. Have a nice day. Where'd you dig up this guy? That's classroom. Welcome to the rock. Hey everyone, and welcome to the boot. Come on, I had to try. I had to do it. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> That's right. It's the boot. We're recasting classic movie reboots. So Hollywood doesn't have to. So Brian will stop doing that accent. <laughs> Guys, I'm Brian Flynn, and with me in the uh, on the island of Alcatraz is Kenna Trent. Kenna, how are you? I'm great. Have you ever been to Alcatraz? No, I really, really want to, though. I It seems like one of those things, that because you have to buy tickets to go tour yeah. it, it seems like a lame tourist thing. No, yeah. it was the most exciting thing I did in San Francisco. I don't know how that wouldn't be exciting. You get on a, a ferry yeah. to an island in San Francisco where the most iconic prison in the world is. Yeah. It's a prison. It's a prison, yeah. On an island. It's an abandoned prison. Yeah. It's every little kid's dream. Is it? Well, you know. The abandoned part, less the prison. <laughs> um, guys, this week on The Boot, we are continuing our summer specials with one of the greatest, if not the greatest, action movie of uh, our our lives, maybe. Uh, Everyone's life. Really, nothing says summer action movies like Michael Bay, hero shots. Spinning. Spinning, slow motion. Actual military equipment yeah. flying over. Magic hour. You know him. You love him. Guys, maybe. This, maybe. <laughs> Depending on your gender. Oh, boy. Guys, this week we are doing The Rock, the 1996 action movie directed by Michael Bay, starring Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery, Ed Harris, Vanessa Marcel. Did I say that right? Sure. And uh, the late, great John Spencer. Mm. Uh, Ken and I will pick five characters from this movie We will recast it as if this movie was being remade today um, I think this movie could be remade today There's really nothing Except th- for the social media aspect I think people would immediately realize That there is a terrorist situation on the rock I had some thoughts about how the timeline would work In an updated version of the rock You're right Because if the character that Sean Connery plays could no longer have been an escaped prisoner. Prisoner. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. So there would be no social media because the movie would have to take place in exactly this this year of 1996. Yeah. Or they would have to do something where they're like, it was his like brother. Or it was, you you know, they would have something. to make concessions because whoever yeah. we're picking would not have been. But that's not as good because you need the, you need you want him to kind of be the guy who. Spent time on Alcatraz. Yep. All right. Well, you know what? Before we get into the reboot, we got reboot news. The Iceman is back as Val Kilmer suits up for Top Gun 2. When we think of Top Gun, we also think of Tom Cruise, but Tony Scott's 1986 film wouldn't have been what it was without Val Kilmer. True. And the thought of the sequel moving forward without him didn't sit quite well with fans. Thankfully, the Iceman will indeed return as the rap has reported that Val Kilmer will be appearing in Top Gun Maverick. Paramount declined to comment on casting, but Val Kilmer has reportedly been spotted around the San Diego hotel the studio has been using since production began. As development on the Top Gun sequel has been ongoing for many years, Val Kilmer has made no secret of his desire to return. So it's great to see that he'll get the chance to share the big screen with Tom Cruise once again. The actor has also been flying under the radar in recent years thanks to some serious health issues, and he's been sorely missed. Um, So... Top Gun 2 mm-hmm. started production, and I believe a photo came out a couple of weeks ago with Tom Cruise looking. It's just like his back. It's yeah, not particularly Looking off into exciting. the sky. Um, so this report came out that Val Kilmer, who's suffered throat cancer, basically, mm-hmm. and his voice is gone. Yeah. Um, you can watch interviews with him and his family. Uh, I think it was with uh, Esquire, or maybe it was GQ. His voice is... is gone 
It's yeah. So it's a little. Listen, I would love for Val Kilmer to be in this movie, especially because he really wants to be in mm-hmm. it. But realistically, it's. I'm just curious what kind of role he's going to play, considering he's a little. Not to say he's not uh, gaining strength, but he's a little uh, weak. Yeah. He lost a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. He looks very um, uh, sullen in yeah. his face a little bit. Um, and I love Val Kilmer. We both love Val Kilmer. But uh, see episode Tombstone. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Whatever number it was. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. This also, I mean, who? this doesn't even say he's in the movie. It just says he's at the hotel. Yeah, and I don't know if it's one of those things that they're like, let's just keep it a rumor until we're ready to say something. Yeah. But he has been advocating for this. And so I'm like, if he was in the movie and he could say something, he probably would have. I honestly think best case scenario is that he's in the movie in some capacity as mm-hmm. how I don't know what the story is about, but I bet it's something like late second act, early third act sort of appears in a doorway. It locks eyes with Tom Cruise. It's that moment where you're like, yes, Iceman like and Maverick. Them. Yeah, and then the shirts come off, and then a volleyball is tossed into the sky, and then it's just, you know, just like old times. Um, But I I don't think he's going to be in the whole movie. I think it's going to be really like a cameo. Here's a pitch. Maybe. What if, uh, what if Top Gun colon Maverick ends the way Tombstone ends, and at the end of the movie, Tom Cruise goes to visit Val Kilmer. <laughs> Hear me out. And Val Kilmer has to commission his friend to keep going. Kind <laughs> of. That is so morbid. That is so morbid. And then we just put the character to bed. Um, I like it, but I'm going to piggyback onto that. Okay. The ghost of Goose appears (gasps) behind them. And it's sort of like a return of the Jedi. Yeah, like a return (laughs) of the Jedi apparition. And then when uh, Iceman dies, he like appears as his younger self. And then fans are going to get really angry because it doesn't make any sense. That's when he died. That's who he is in the afterlife. The goose is younger, but I'm saying Iceman. Oh, yeah. that is controversial. Yeah, and the fans will. It's controversial. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, do you even like Top Gun? I do. I really like Top really? Gun. Really? I think it's awful. <laughs> I really do. I watched it. I watched it at the exact age, like young boys are supposed to like watch uh-huh. this movie. And I watched it with like one of my best friends and we were like, this sucks. <laughs> like this movie's it's, so dumb. It's 100%. It's got all the things I love. It's 100% cheese. Kenny Loggins is on the soundtrack mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Tom Cruise, young Tom Cruise, young yeah. Val Kilmer. Yeah. I just, I didn't care. It. Didn't it's a know. fun, I highly recommend, um, cause I've seen it a couple times now in these like outdoor screenings that they have mm-hmm. in the summer in LA and it's, the absolute perfect way to watch this movie because you can't watch it alone. It's so lame if you watch it on your own. But with you watch, yeah. when you watch it with people who are really invested in just whatever they think it is, mm-hmm. way more fun. Yeah, maybe I'll watch it again. You know, I'm sure it's much better as an adult. Mm, I feel like you're already in a place <laughs> where that might not be it, yeah. good. Okay. Okay, coming up next, Reese Witherspoon and MGM are bringing the game back for Legally Blonde 3. MGM is near a deal with Reese Witherspoon to reprise her role as the precocious, idealistic Elle Woods in Legally Blonde 3, and they've brought back most of the creative team from the first film. The pick is coming together quickly. Wow, I feel like I'm like spitting into this mic. Kirsten Kiwi-Smith and Karen McCullough, who adapted the Amanda Brown novel for the 2001 film, the first film, are in final talks to write the script. Original producer Mark Platt and his Platt Productions are producing... And they will be joined by Reese Witherspoon's company. How do we feel about another edition of Legally Blunt? Um, yeah. I, I. How do I feel about it? Uh, um, I think I'm pro it. I think Luke Wilson is pro it. 
I mean, I haven't oh, seen that wow. guy in a long time. When is the last time I saw Luke Wilson? Um, I think it's been long enough. I'm trying. When did Legally Blonde two come out? Two thousand three. <sighs> yep, you nailed it. Two thousand three. Um, For some reason, I don't own the first Legally Blonde on DVD, but I do own Legally Blonde two colon Red, White, and Blonde. <laughs> Um, Legally Blonde is a is a great comedy. It's, so I don't see any reason why there shouldn't be room for a third one. It's a little strange the timing fifteen years later, but I think the problem with two is that it was so close. Like it didn't really feel. It was like so the first one is law school. The second one is like she goes to Washington is like a lobbyist or something like that. Yeah, to advocate for um her dog. I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it started as like legislation about testing uh, cosmetics on animals, but then mm. she finds out that Bruiser is gay. Leslie is a less. The Rottweiler is a guy. And Bruiser is a male dog who happens to enjoy wearing pastel. The canines are both male. Your dogs are gay. I think no. I think that's no. what happens, but please look it up. Also, look up that clip of um, Jennifer Coolidge being like, "You look like the Fourth of July." <laughs> it makes me want a hot dog real bad. Um, yeah, how do how do you feel about this movie? I agree. I I would go so far as to say that like Legally Blonde and its humor and its structure and its composition is the perfect movie. It's really well done. Yeah. I think the timing of this movie currently in our current political climate, assuming Elle is still a lawyer, um, would be really interesting. Yeah, I I think I'm just a little I a little concerned that it could turn into uh, like lip service for the movement. Uh huh. Um, because we love Elle and everything she did in like 2001 in the original, but I I don't I don't know if it's going to feel natural. For the character to uh, come back into the zeitgeist. I, I don't know. Because it's think such there's an a iconic lot... piece the first movie is on its own. I agree. I, I just think there's a lot of material that you could... I, I think there's a lot of things to mine from like a contemporary Legally Blonde movie. Mm-hmm. If you do... You know, if you make the right moves, I think there's this movie could be a, probably just as big as the first one. Which, if my memory recalls was like one of the biggest comedies of that year um i mean i'll go see it every woman my age will go see this movie and more because yeah. it's got such a huge reach yeah all right um finally lady gaga bradley cooper debut new songs and first a star is born trailer in the new movie bradley cooper plays jackson Maine, a country music star on the brink of decline when he discovers a talented unknown named ally played by lady gaga as the two begin a passionate love affair, Jack coaxes Allie into the spotlight, catapulting her to stardom. But as Allie's career quickly eclipses his own, Jack finds it increasingly hard to handle his fading glory. A Star is Born marks Cooper's debut as a feature director. The Oscar-nominated actor signed on town back in 2015 after prior adaptations spent several years in development with everyone from Jennifer Lopez and Beyonce to Clint Eastwood and what? Tom Cruise. <laughs> Reportedly... Look, these reads are so boring. Uh, reportedly <laughs> eyeing inv- involvement at various stages. Um, this trailer for this movie looks fucking amazing. Do you write songs or anything? I don't sing my own songs. Why? I just don't feel comfortable. Why wouldn't you feel comfortable? Almost every single person has told me they liked the way I sounded, but that they didn't like the way I look. I think you're beautiful. Hey. What? I just want to take another look at you. I am 100% a true believer in Lady Gaga. Like, I was a fan of her music for a long time. And then she started doing a little bit of acting. And I feel like people thought when she got pulled into the American Horror Story camp that that only worked for her. Because it sort of sits in her wheelhouse. Yeah. And so I heard a lot of people say when she won her Golden Globe that they were like, well... She did good at that. And I submit to you, even the slightest bit of what we get to her and get of her in this trailer, she is coming for the award shows. And I think it it literally is. She is just way more talented and has way more levels than we're giving her credit for. 
Um, yeah, I have to eat my words because a few pods back, I did not cast her in our reboot of A League of Their Own, even though, like, the Madonna role is yeah. basically her. Um, and I might regret that for a very long, long time. Um, because wow. she looks... Take it to your grave. Yeah, but she looks tremendous in this. This movie, this whole movie looks... Uh, phenomenal and good on Bradley Cooper for picking country music mm-hmm. as the genre of celebrity that he is because like yeah um, not to say that singing country music is easy but uh, I don't know how his mm. voice is gonna it's interesting really carry. it sounds good in the trailer and I I can't remember who I was with but I was I saw it in the theaters with somebody who immediately like leaned over to me and was like is that him really singing and I was like I think it is I think it is but I I don't know I really don't know what this is going to be. Um, I was curious because this is you know a, a remake of several other classic movies. Yeah, and it's almost like clockwork that this movie gets remade. There was one made in like thirty seven. I think it's like thirty seven, fifty four, eighty seven, seventy nine, mm-hmm. and now twenty eighteen. It's almost like every twenty five years, America gets a new star is born. And what's funny is that over the years it's shifted from film to music and so um i don't really have a point uh other than to say (laughs) that um this version looks very very good and i think and i think people are really going to be into this and i want i i'm interested to see how bradley cooper is as a director i think the point is is that we in however long this film has uh existed in its many forms like we still haven't shaken this trope off just of this idea of like you know a man falls in love with a woman's uh talent first and tries to tries to help her because he knows that she might not get anywhere if he doesn't do something Mm -hmm. and then that relationship turns sour the more her star shines brighter Mm -hmm. and that's something that just hasn't it just it still exists. It's something that we haven't as a society shaken this notion that somehow like a woman needs a man to to lift her up, but will be unhappy if she uh, reaches a higher status than him. And maybe in 25 years, we won't need it. <laughs> maybe it'll look much, much different in 20, uh, 25 <laughs> years. That's what <laughs> like it'll be more of a mentor mentee. But there's still that kind of like love affair. But they're both robots. I don't know. That's what we should do. We should do A Star is Born, but cast the one that's going to happen in 25 years. Oh, yeah. (laughs) A future pod. (laughs) That'd be fun. That'd be fun. All right, guys. uh, Let's get into the reboot of The Rock. Kenna? Here's the rules. This is a podcast best listened to with an open IMDb. We may talk about some people you've never heard of, and you're going to want to look them up. We will be talking about a movie that you may not have seen, so there will be spoilers. But also, if you haven't seen it, just pause us right now and go find it. And go watch it. I can't say I advocate paying a lot of money to see this, but pay as much money as you can. If you know a to friend, Michael Bay. If you know a friend, he's doing fine. Those Victoria's Secret commercials. Um, now to the actual rules we have to follow. Number one: no remakes, reboots, or long lost sequels. We can't do a movie that's already been done, redone in the last twenty years. This includes franchises like A Star Is Born. That pop back up. Is that a franchise? Every 25 years. It is a uh, reboot. It's not really a franchise. Okay, just keep going. Excuse me? <laughs> uh, we've also amended this rule to help ourselves. So we're saying that if a remake has been rumored for more than two years with no forward movement, it's fair game. They got to make a deal. They got to cast somebody. da 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 uh, number two, no imaginary casting. Our dream cast must be made up of actors that are alive and working today. Number three, no tender casting. This one's going to be tough. We can't cast somebody just based on how they look. You have to have seen their work and be able to vouch for their talent. No casting heartthrobs slash beefcakes like Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage. Or Oliver Platt. Oh, boy. <laughs> I still think about him. Please cast, please have cast Oliver Platt in Sean Connery's part. All right, guys, let's get into the reboot of The Rock. You're right. I don't use guns and I don't kick down doors. This is what I do. I haven't got my glasses. What it says is chemical weapons specialist. I got a lunatic up there, man, with 15 missiles armed with some really fucky stuff. Not my Womack. You could have told my daughter. It was classified. 
Look, I'm in the same situation. I got my girlfriend in the city with a baby on the way. Look, I can defuse the rockets. I really can. But I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need it right now. The characters we're going to be doing from The Rock are John Mason, played by Sean Connery, Dr. Stanley Goodspeed, played by Nicolas Cage, Brigadier General Francis Hummel, played by Ed Harris, uh, Carla... Pestalozzi, which I didn't realize was her last name in this movie. Yeah, I guess she Pestalozzi, has a last name. played by Vanessa Marcel, and FBI Director Womack, played by the immortal John Spencer. R.I.P. But he's not immortal. He's not immortal. Well, he's immortal in my heart. He's immortal in this movie. This might be one of my favorite action movies. Um, but what's so funny to me about this is the urban legend, half urban legend, because a lot of it's documented, but... Um, <laughs> That this movie is written by like 17 different writers. Oh, know? I, you would not have to try very hard to tell me that that's true. <laughs> so the credited writers are David Weisberg, Douglas Cook, Mark Rosner, but then names like Quentin Tarantino, Aaron Sorkin have been attached to have done drafts of this movie. Someone told me that like Joss Whedon might have done a, a draft of this. And then in the trivia, there are two there's a writing team that Sean Connery requested rewrite his dialogue. And then they ended up rewriting all of the dialogue. And then in other trivia and This is what they ended up with? Yeah. And then in other trivia, there there was something that was just like there was according to Bay, there's no humor in this movie. So all of the jokes were improvised on set. So technically Nicholas Cage wrote this movie. They let Nicholas Cage's <laughs> crazy ass yeah. improvise yeah. on this movie. I mean, that's where you get bits of gold, like Zeus's butthole, and uh... I will say, I I've seen this movie many times, mm-hmm. and uh, I I've t- I've never watched it with my new favorite habit, which is watching everything with subtitles on. And there were times when I would be like watching and sort of reading ahead at what was happening. And I was like, how have I missed all of this weird dialogue? How have I missed it? The marriage police line to me is oh, it's everything. Weird. Do you love me? Of course I love you. Good. Will you marry me? Whoa, whoa. Hey, marriage police, pull over. My friend, my friend, <laughs> my friend, I have a specific friend from childhood would, would say this quote. Over and over because it's so ridiculous to us that anyone would say it in this affectation, which also made casting, I mean, casting, recasting Nicolas Cage in any movie is near impossible. But I love this movie. I think this movie has probably one of the best villains in an action movie. Maybe Mm -hmm. Alan Rickman, Die Hard. That definitely beats it. But... (sighs) I, I, here's the thing. Ed Harris is amazing. And I would never besmirch the name of Ed Harris. Right. But this character, like what kind of Scooby-Doo plan has he hatched? And he's only paying these people $1 million a piece to commit treason. That's right. I mean, what's funny is that like he is this very strict career military man. One of the most honorable men in our country's armed forces. Mm-hmm. And his whole plan does boil down to basically a really bad protest you know yeah like a really bad protest because and i think at first i wrote this note down because i was like we cannot not talk about this but sean connery even says it straight to him he's like this makes no sense you're mad that a bunch of your men died and didn't get any recognition so you're just gonna kill a million american citizens i don't quite see how you cherish the memory of the dead by killing another million and uh, this is not combat. It's an act of lunacy. Personally, I think you're a fucking idiot. It's yeah. crazy. Uh, it really is a Scooby-Doo plan. Even Scooby-Doo villains have better plans because at least they're trying to, like, get money or keep their farm or, so- or something. Um, okay. Shall we get into it? Because this one was very, very difficult for me. Not because I'm... Uh, well, on two fronts. One, because I love this movie and every performance in here is either great or uh, insane or just, you mostly know, insane. mostly insane. No, it but was, also it was like, tough for me, too. There's something about <clears throat> the way these characters are played. Yeah. That it seems impossible for other people to be slotted in. Yeah. Um, so let's start with Sean Connery. Sean Connery specifically is hard to recast as a, as a human being. I mean, he has such a wit. And a presence that 
you know, trying to find an English or Scottish actor of his age range. He was, what, 63 when he filmed this? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um, was nearly... was 66. 66. Was pretty impossible. So I kind of... Uh, I'm not super thrilled with my cast, but I will defend it. Okay. Truly. Um, this one was a little bit of a cop-out, but uh, I picked another Bond. I picked Pierce Brosnan. Mm. And, That's a good choice. Um, yes, there's the Bond connection, but I, I, I had two guys in mind for this. And the other guy is also pretty well known. But as I was watching this movie, I just it, it struck me at how charming John Mason is. Mm-hmm. I'm an agent with the uh, uh, federal. Well, my, I'm Stanley Goodspeed. But of course you are. And you have an emergency. That's right. And you need my help. Exactly right. Coffee. No, no, I'm fine. Thank you. Offer me coffee. And how likable he is, and that like the crime he committed is is isn't. I mean, it's espionage at the highest level, but um, he's basically cornered. Like it's it's either like go to jail or be assassinated. So he was like, I. He's a spy that got sold out. Yeah, it's a hazard of the job. Like it's always possible that you might end up in jail and in the wrong hands and right just happened to him and so um i thought pierce brosnan could bring a level of charm much like he did in bond i mean because that's a, a quintessential element of playing james bond but there's a lot of roles now where he's playing a lot tougher um kind of nuanced roles which i really enjoyed because growing up he was really just he was kind of like a a weird off-the-shelf romantic lead that i didn't really like if you ever seen the thomas crown affair i mean it's not really that thrilling it, it it's, it's always it was always like movies that my mom would be into and it was just like okay and he's a little bit he's a little bit typecast because yeah. he's like this like suave composed but still, like slightly actiony British guy. Yeah. So like I Remington Steel. I I kind of wanted gone. to see him back into in an action role, something where he could. Like, I, I guess he was in that Jackie Chan movie, The Foreigner, which I haven't seen. But um, and I'm assuming that Jackie Chan does ninety percent of the action in that movie. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But I, I just thought he would he could play like a guy who just you know has this past, and he's just you know. He's doing this one thing, and if he does this one thing, then and he lives, then he can mm-hmm. be free. And I don't know, I, I, that's sort of where I went. It was very, very difficult, but I'm happy with him, and I think I think he he can. I'm happy with him. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I really like Pierce Brosnan as a choice. He was my number two. Ah. I ultimately decided to go with with what I thought was a more obvious choice, but made a lot of sense just because I think in the way that Sean Connery maybe at this time people were probably dying to get him in their very specific aging action star movies (laughs) this man 100% fits that bill okay and it is Liam Neeson yep like he's still uh shooting people whilst flying through the air on planes he's still shooting people whilst Flying through the air on trains. Subways. The man is unstoppable. I think that's why I stayed away from him. Because of because of his long resume of these action movies that... Just, they just seem like diminishing returns from Taken. You know what I mean? Mm. But for this, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean... I, want, I, I, I wanted him for this. Also because I think the movies he tends to be cast in are very straight. And if I think if this movie would survive a remake, it would have to be more intentionally played softer. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to have to have a little bit of a sense of humor with it. And I want to give Liam Neeson the chance to have fun (laughs) with it. You've been around a lot of corpses. Is that normal? The feet thing? Yeah, the feet thing. Yeah, that happens. I'm having kind of a hard time concentrating. Can you do something about it? Like what? Kill him again? You know? I'm just thinking of the Liam Neeson does improv <laughs> sketch from that Ricky Gervais show. Yikes. Have you seen that? No. Oh, go home and watch it. And it's the funniest fucking thing you'll ever see. It's so funny. He's funny. He's a funny guy. Um, yeah, I, 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 
I'm trying to think more Mason stuff because he's such a weird guy. I don't know if this technically counts as something for Mason, but can we talk about the stylist? Yeah. Um, The whole hotel sequence is phenomenal. It's insane. It was all shot in a studio. Um, It's green screen, right? I think the, the hanging was at the actual hotel. There are like backdrops that I'm like, there. this is not a city. Um, okay. So they go, he requests to be sent to a hotel and to be set up so he can clean himself up, get ready for, I don't, at that point, like, does he even know what he's doing? No, no. So they take him to this nice hotel and they bring in a barber, but he's not a barber. He's a stylist. He's a stylist. Oh, who did this to you? This is just not right. In fact, it's nasty. Well, it's a grunge thing. Well, it's some kind of thing. Do you think we have time for a sea kelp protein pack and maybe some color? And it is this overly broad, insulting, stereotypical version of like a gay hairstylist. It's what Michael Bay thinks is a hairstylist. However, I'm a big fan of Queer Eye. And the whole time I kept being like... Jonathan Van Ness. I need Jonathan Van Ness (laughs) to play this role, but to... have it not be so fucking insulting because here's the thing is like Jonathan is like the actuality of a person who who like is just a real version of whatever they think he's a human he's a human person and he has so much like humor and joy that he brings into the situation that you wouldn't look at it and be like there's something wrong here you're just like oh that's who he is yeah this guy this actor this poor actor Probably received notes from a director who was like, no, no, no. You gotta, have you ever met a gay man? I bet the F word (laughs) was used quite frequently in describing how he should play this role. Uh, That's upsetting. Um, But he, you know, it's a, it's, it is a very fun moment between Mm -hmm. like the old sixties. What's, what's the uh, word for old person? Something Dejerian? Octave? No. That's an 80 year old. Yeah. Forget it. (laughs) I'm just going to cut this all out. I'm not doing well today. Okay, let's move on to Dr. Stanley Goodspeed. Oh, my God. I have so much to talk about in in this movie. Okay. First of all, his name is Stanley Goodspeed. Right. Nicolas Cage was 32 when he made this movie. Yeah. He looks like he's 46. I, I was mistaken when I started to cast this part because I remember... I, this was before, this was his first like really big action movie before Con Air, yeah. before Face Off, mm-hmm. before anything that followed. And so there were moments where I was like, do they expect us to think that this man is like a fish out of water? Because he, he's acting like, I don't want to do this, but like he's fully trained and ready to go. I'm unarmed, sir. Well, where's your issue? I left it in my, uh, <coughs> my sock drawer. A gun? For what? You're a chemical freak. <laughs> I'm a chemical super freak, actually, but I still need a gun. That's what got me like so twisted about this because, yeah, his character is it like he's a chemical specialist. Yeah. He's sort of like, you know, in a lot of these like sort of spy movies where like the main character is the analyst. The main character is like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, someone who doesn't see the field that often. Yeah. But because like we now know him as Nicolas fucking Cage, it's just sort of like, well, obviously Nicolas Cage is going to kick the shit out of these people because yeah. we're so conditioned f- for him to do it. <laughs> so as soon as I realized that, like you you do you did make a great point. Like I I had someone in here. I had well, you have to go first. So why don't you explain oh, okay. why okay, okay, who, okay. how you went through this? That was sort of my thinking going in. And honestly, I almost gender swapped the role because I think there's something much more compelling about taking a a sort of academic woman with a lot of physical strength who could do the action, but sort of putting her in the middle of a group of sort of like SEAL team soldiers in the way in movies we all think that that looks like I think that strikes me as more like, oh, she really might not be ready. I decided against that. I, you know, the same thing did cross my mind, too. But I mainly focused on the fact that I was like, this person has to seem like as passionate as he is about everything he does in the lab. Like he is 100 percent not ready to go on a full fledged mission. They jump out of a helicopter. They like scuba down. Oh, my gosh. On these like submarines. And he's just doing it. 
Oh my God. This man, yeah. he's just doing it. Anyway, so the actor I picked, and then I'll fully explain why I did this. The actor I picked is Stephen Yun, who was on, sorry if you aren't caught up, he's dead. He was on The Walking Please, Dead. Glenn. Um, and here's the thing that I like about him. Somebody actually brought him to my attention today and I hadn't even, I hadn't given him a second thought. And then I was like, you know what? He so perfectly in The Walking Dead played this character who, when the zombie apocalypse happens, he's a pizza boy. He's yeah. a pizza delivery guy. Yeah. And he sort of transforms into this like complete badass who just has to adapt to the current environment. And you believe every second of it. There's never a moment where I think you're like, this transformation makes no sense. And I was like, that's what I want to see. I want to see someone who is plucked out of their situation and just has to do what they have to do to survive. The mission's not complete. Well, mine is. When this is over, you'll go back home. Driving Carla and your baby insane. And I'll be dead. Or back in prison, which is the same thing. All right. I'll do it myself. I got three weeks weapons training. I'll kick the... Have a platoon full of Marines. No problem. And he's going to do it. Plus, I think he's a great actor. I'm so upset. I was so close to picking him. Really? Yeah. I was so close. And the only reason I didn't is because I just kept thinking, because I'm selfish. I just kept thinking if I rewatched this movie without Nicolas Cage, I'm going to want an actor who has all those traits that you just mentioned, Mm -hmm. but can also be fucking crazy too. <laughs> like has a little bit of crazy okay. in him, just a little bit of crazy because Nicholas Cage is, I mean, Nicholas Cage films, they range between like, he has full control of his crazy all the way to, he has absolutely no control of his, over his crazy. And there's mm-hmm. even a graph that will like plot his, like, it's like insane, like Nicholas Cage insanity to like incredible performance and his fate and they, they chart it and it's all over the place. <laughs> There's no like gra- like singular line where you're like, oh, if he's in action movies, he's like very crazy, but very good. But when he's doing like art house m- movies, he's very crazy, but not good. It's just like a scatter shot of like this motherfucker was just like, I'm just going to be range. <laughs> so I picked an actor who – um. Uh, I don't think people are going to like this pick. Um, I picked an actor who I think is really smart and plays that kind of more analytical side, sort of the, the, the bookish side, but he has done some action. So I picked Jesse Eisenberg from the social network and he was in that movie American ultra where he played a like brainwashed spy or something. Okay. Uh, and zombie land. I know it's very strange. Um, I'm not fully convinced either, but I, Something about just having like his nervous energy on this island, mm-hmm. I felt would be a different and interesting take on this movie as opposed to just like Nicolas Cage's sort of wild eye twitchiness. And I'm going to guess, I have a pretty good feeling of reading people <laughs> that you hate this Describe pick. Describe my face right now. <clears throat> yeah, you hate this pick. Um, I'm not sold on it either. The person I had before this, and I changed this maybe an hour before this recording, uh, I wasn't thrilled with him either. And so, yeah, this one was a little difficult for me. Yeah. It's not to say, it's not to say that Jesse Eisenberg's a bad actor. I don't think he is. Um, I think he's been miscast in a lot of things. Uh, For instance, he was in one of those, two of those. How many of those superhero movies? He was in two of them. I just, I don't know. I think the way you're thinking that maybe his energy might be good for the movie, when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking his energy might not be good for the movie. Mm, uh, Yeah. I mean, it's a risk, but I... Because you're right. It would be insanity, especially when you stack him next to, like, the best of the best. You know what his this pick is like for me? This is like me walking on set with some VX gas. And being like, maybe I can control this. Or maybe my skin will melt off. That's how I feel about this pick. Because you've, I, you've organized it in the least stable way possible. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all like a string of pearls. <laughs> it's like they're all clanking around. It's just just put it in one big container. Yeah, what put is them the in problem? Cubes. Put them in cubes away from each other. Really elegant string of pearls configuration. Unfortunately, incredibly unstable. What are 
exactly does this stuff do? Seizes your nervous system. Your muscles freeze. You can't breathe. You spasm so hard you break your own back and spit your guts out. But that's after your skin melts off. I think he can play the kind of, you know, brilliant analyst who's just sort of thrown into this, like, horrible terrorist situation and has to survive it. And he's the only one left. He's the only one who knows how to do this thing. And he, you know, I just think there's a lot of qualities in there that he could really play well. But I, I get it that, like, a lot of his choices recently are strange and off-putting. And you're also but banking... so are Nicolas Cage's. You're also banking on people showing up to see a movie that stars Pierce Brosnan and Jesse Eisenberg. I'm fully aware, okay? I'm fully aware. All right, let's move on to yeah, Brigadier yeah. General Francis Hummel, played by Ed Harris. Um, Hummel, out. <laughs> Why? I forgot about that. It was just like, out. The weird thing about Hummel is that, like, in the beginning of this movie, he has these, like, random lines that don't make any sense. So there's, like, like when, all this audio of, like, this war zone going on, and then suddenly he's just like, never again, or something like that. Because he's like, talking to his wife. This is something that did confuse me. He's he's going to visit his wife's grave. And what he's, what he's saying is so, like, what he's saying is, I have to go do something. It's something that I couldn't do when you were here. Mm-hmm. But it's so important. You're going to, you would have thought it was okay. Like you would have, it's going to be all right, but I'm probably not going to be back. There's something I've got to do, Bob. Something I couldn't do while you were here. I tried. You know I tried everything. And I still don't have their attention. Let's hope this elevates their thinking. But whatever happens, please don't think less of me. And I'm just like, you've been planning this? And we're just like, when my wife dies... Shit's going down. I just feel what? like I feel like he would have had a better shot if he ran for office. You wow. know what I mean? Wow. Like There's he, something. Ooh, let's NPR talk this out. There's something there. You just, can get a lot more done through the proper channels than you can with terrorism and violence. <laughs> I don't mean to be getting up on a soapbox here, but I like from a story viewpoint. He was, so what? He hires thirty men to infiltrate a chemical weapons facility. A lot of which he doesn't know, which is super shifty to me. Like that's not how the army fucking works. I mean, I'm sure he has some knowledge of where chemical weapons are stored. But if this gas is as bad as it is, there's I don't really don't think there's any fucking way he would have any unless he convinced someone on the inside. You know what I mean? But we don't get that information. I don't think. But like. The whole plot of like stealing the missiles, stealing the gas, taking over Alcatraz, and then like hunkering down for I, I think it's like two days max. Just run for Senate. I mean, that's a lot harder, but but it's you'll not, have a platform, yeah. and veterans in this country would support you, and you know, I don't know. It's yeah, it's, everlasting change is probably what you would get as opposed to it's insane. Dying. Yeah. It's insane. Why do they do this? Why do people consistently try to test the U.S. government and try to think that they're going to negotiate with terrorists? Everybody has seen enough action movies to know that the U.S. government does not negotiate with terrorists. I know. But yeah, it doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. Like the punishment for treason is death. If something goes wrong, you die too. The right. chances of you actually even making it to a non-extradition country slim you're probably gonna die in the process like even if it plays it out mission. like even if it plays out and he launches the rockets and kills millions of people and they send him the money and he takes off under the cover of night and lives in a non-extradition country the world would be like you're a murderer you're a yeah. mass murderer we're gonna find you yeah we're gonna bring it like who gives a he's shit about not, the extradition? He's not like, like Hannibal Lecter who can just like disappear right. into the tropics. He'd be one of the most well-known people on earth because yeah. he'd be like, look at this guy. And he doesn't have the benefit of a network of people like Osama bin Laden like hiding him <laughs> he has everywhere. 30 guys who's probably yeah. million, a million dollars to each. And approximately know. half of them are genuinely insane. Right. The day we took hostages, we became mercenaries. And mercenaries get paid. I want my fucking money! This mission was based on the threat of force. I'm not about to kill 80,000 innocent people. Do you think I'm out of my fucking mind? We bluffed. They called it. The mission's over. Whoever said anything about bluffing, General? 
Okay, so this is how I went about it. I okay. love Ed Harris. I think Ed Harris is phenomenal. He's great. He scares the bejesus out of me. So I picked an actor <laughs> who equally scares the bejesus out of me. That's the only reason. He's a great actor, but that's literally the only thing oh, okay. I, I did. Um, I picked Michael Shannon because he's the scariest man alive. He's so great. And uh, he's tremendous. And uh, he, he plays a lot of villains. But Michael Shannon, if you don't know him he was in the shape of water he was in a nocturnal animals he's also in one of these superhero movies but he he just has a presence where you're just like this guy means business and he's he's gonna do it you know like you you might you might blink first you know if this is a Mm -hmm. showdown between terrorist and government and your government you might blink first yeah no he's phenomenal that's a great choice thank you um my thinking about hummel was that while with almost everybody else, I really wanted to find somebody who could play their part with a little bit of humor, because otherwise you'll get insanity. The one character that I was like, this person can have zero humor mm-hmm. is Hummel. Like he has to be completely committed. And so I ended up like striking a bunch of people off my list mm-hmm. because I was like, they're too funny. Like I think it, no matter what, they would be too funny. Yeah. So I picked. Michael K. Williams of The Wire fame. Mm-hmm. More recently, he was also in The Night Of. Mm-hmm. And I read a story. This was something that as I was casting him and I, I Googled him to find something out about him. And I read an article about how he was almost in Solo, a Star Wars movie. He was completely cut Star out. Star Wars story. And he was completely cut out. But it was fascinating because what I was reading was saying that Paul Bettany was brought in to essentially like recreate this character. Like it's probably not exactly the same character, but it was like a villain character that he was supposed to play that just comp- that didn't work in the end. Yeah. I, and they I've, had to rework it with a different actor. I've heard many different stories about why they did it where one ranging from that, where it's just like his take didn't work in the movie. And they were just like, Paul Bettany has to basically redo this character the other one I heard was he just couldn't do the reshoots, oh. which is like, what? Just wait. It's such a dumb Hollywood thing. <laughs> um, um, like that seems like the cover story for the much more um, delicate and yeah. kind of considering tricky. all the problems that went on. Um, it's it's one of those things where genuinely you need to open IMDb and look this guy up because when you see his face, you're going to be like, oh, I saw him in Boardwalk Empire, right? Boardwalk Empire yeah. or uh, I don't know. All the, it's a bunch of like random stuff that I guarantee you've seen one of these movies like the Assassin's yeah. Creed movie and Triple Nine and Inherent Vice, all these other things like you yeah. have seen him. He's actually in a comedy, though. Which one? He was in the sequel to Spoils of Babylon, that Will Ferrell produced TV show. Which is not to say that he doesn't have any comedic gifts. But I think he would play a really... For someone that... For the character that you want to believe is a true believer in their own ideology, Mm -hmm. I think he would deliver that. He's a great actor. Yeah. Um, Should we move on to Carla... Pestalozzi, like I, she had a last name. She had a name. Tremendous. What a tremendous thing to discover. Um, I had. Yeah, I mean, every single writer they uh, brought into work on this movie has no idea how to write women. So it's no surprise that there are two and they're on camera for approximately 15 seconds. I had trouble with this. I'm glad you're going to go first because this was definitely just like. Here's a woman as a victim. And it's just like a woman in hysteria that you can't find her man. It's just like. I can only imagine what her days were like on set because it is literally shots of her looking concerned. Everybody else is active and doing something. And she is. She has a sex scene and she gets to be on top. However, her hair is unfortunately put into pigtails in some weird Michael Bay fantasy. (laughs) And they even talk about it. Sorbet persuasion. This isn't happening. This isn't happening. No, just don't answer. It's okay. Oh God. Um, Wow. I don't know. You know, I was going to call you up, and I was going to say, should we replace her with Claire Forlani's character? Because even in the five minutes of Claire, less that we of Claire Forlani, we get a slightly more of a person 
in just the idea that she's been abandoned by her father and has no idea who he is, like that one touchstone is a, slightly more than this character who is, you know, in what, four times as many scenes as her? I think there is a version of this movie that features a version of Carla in which she is way more active. She has some sort of, I don't know, IT job. Maybe while she's literally like waiting to see what happens to her fiance. She is like working behind the scenes, trying to find out her own stuff about Mason. Maybe yeah. she meets up with like the Claire Forlani character. Like I feel yeah. like there's just so much that she could be doing instead of just sitting there. So I cast somebody that honestly, I was just like, I hope that we could create a better character for this mm-hmm. person because she's great. But I also just think she could like kill a better version of this character. I picked Gina Rodriguez. Um, of Jane, the Virgin. Oh yeah. And annihilation. Annihilation. Okay. Um, she has, she does have this like movie coming out where she is like this super actiony, taking care of business chick mm-hmm. um which is cool um because here's the thing i could have just picked a throwaway but i really didn't want to do you think there was a version of this movie where carla was mason's daughter yeah that's great i mean that it, it's lazy storytelling because it's just like let's corner let's just have this weird happenstance but if join like, these characters a little bit but it's also like that would never ha- there's seven billion people in this world like the chances of that actually happening but this is the difference between like seven people writing a movie and one person receiving like a continuous sort of flow of notes is that i think they could have gotten there they could have gotten to a point where it just made more sense for the women of this movie to even be there and they just didn't i str- also struggled with trying to find it's like when you get these characters and you see them all the time in movies it's just like women on the sidelines and you're trying i'm trying to dig into something you know i'm sure the actress is having even a worse time it's just like who is this person other than the fact that like what's your big character description i love my husband or i love my fiance yeah and then there's this terrible thing happens and then you're just sort of running around looking worried the whole time the one thing i took from this character was the moment when she tries to ask someone she's in a car and is trying to ask him what's going on yeah and he keeps like telling her to like shut up and stay in the car and she just bolts oh i would just love for you to tell me what is going on nope listen stanley goodspeed is my boyfriend actually he's um my fiance where is he classified lady okay well you just sit here and act like a bureau bonehead hey where are you god damn it like the guy is so stupid that he doesn't lock the door and she just bolts. And then a, it, she doesn't even f- find someone to tell her. The only thing we get is like her reaction to someone finally telling her. And then she says something like Stanley can't swim or something like that. But <laughs> so he took that as like, okay, oh, wow. she, she's a woman that's, you know, she's not going to be contained by authority. So I picked a young actress who is going to be in a big Disney movie shortly, I think in a few years. But I picked Naomi Scott from the Power Rangers movie, and mm-hmm. she's playing Princess Jasmine in Aladdin. Yeah. And unfortunately, the only thing I have to go off is the Power Rangers movie, which weeks ago I told you to watch because it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Haven't made it around to that it's one. It's a good time if you're drinking wine. But um, she, she, you know, she plays the Pink Ranger, and she plays – she seems like she's an actress who has sort of a lot of fire in her and a lot of uh, will and isn't just going to be like, you know, told to sit in a in a corner, which unfortunately is kind of what this character does for a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, the, oh, I'm pregnant. I'm basically here to escalate your story and I have nothing really to her do Her very first scene. I'm pregnant. You have to marry me. I'm pregnant. <laughs> But her last scene, she oh, goes and boy. steals the microfilm with Stanley. With Stanley. She wouldn't have done that on her own. I don't know. Well, she wouldn't have done it on her own because she never would have found out where it was because she's not on the island. It's true. Okay, let's move on to FBI Director Womack, played by John Spencer. Um, all right. I love <clears throat> characters like this where they don't have a full name. It's just Director Womack. <laughs> 
which is such a shame because John Spencer deserves a first name. Um, okay, so full disclosure, I am a huge fan of The West Wing. Mm-hmm. Love, love, love that show. And John Spencer is a huge part of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, Leo McGarry, McGarry, McGarity, I don't know. Um, Leo is as synonymous to that show as Martin Sheen, who played the president. So seeing him in this sort of, he's kind of this antagonistic kind of piece of shit, like spook, sort of the just like clandestine guy who's just here to like bury American secrets. Mm -hmm. A little jarring, but um, I really wanted to pick a West Wing actor to sort of take that mantle of John Spencer and just kind of full circle this a bit. Until I thought of a guy that I was just like, I kind of want him because Womack, despite him being like an agency man or, um, you know, just like a, the head of the, the the Federal Bureau of Investigation, he he's kind of slimy, you know, like mm-hmm. he's kind of, I mean, if you really boil it down, he's not really a big fan on human rights so much. So you held this guy without trial his whole life. No wonder he's pissed. This man knows our most intimate secrets from the last half century. The alien landing at Roswell, the truth about the JFK assassination. Mason's angry. He's lethal. He's a trained killer. And he is the only hope that we have got. He basically took Mason and just shoved him in a hole and just locked the door and just like walked away for like 30 years. So I picked an actor who has played many slimy characters, but could also sort of look like he works for the government. Um, <laughs> I picked Bob Odenkirk. Okay. I'm on board for that. Good. See, what I did is the first half of this pod He's getting is overconfident. like, what is happening? He's getting but I loaded it with some pretty good ones at the end. So you would forget. <laughs> no, I, I'm fine with my cast. Um, yeah. I just thought he could play kind of a guy who um, his only goal is to just like bury his past. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's been doing that for the last 10 years and Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. So I think that's a really it's a really solid choice. Thank you. He's going to get the job done. Um, I, however, uh, picked a woman because it's 2018, America. Yeah. Also, I just love when I see like older actresses in roles like this. I can't tell you. Here's the thing. I'm. I'm pointing a finger at you accusatorily. And I've written every movie. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I love seeing older actresses. Every time I see... Here's the thing. I am a fan of Mission Impossible movies. I think they're insane. So I'm definitely going to go see this new one. But I get un, more than Tom Cruise, more than the stunts, more than anything else. I got so hyped watching the trailer for this new Mission Impossible when... Angela Bassett was on screen because I was like, oh, my God, who who is serving so much amazing action, fierceness on point in like three seconds in this trailer? Is that who you picked? I did not. Oh, um, but I love I, Angela. Bassett. I just I love seeing like older actresses like in positions like this where I'm like, hell, yeah, you would be in a position of power. Anyway, I picked Holly Hunter. <laughs> Oh, way to get my... I mean, Holly Hunter is great. <laughs> She's is also partially... in one of those comic book movies. Um, Don't act like any of those were good movies. From the DC universe. Yeah. I know how um, you feel. But part of this is because I was uh, looking something up about Nicolas Cage and going through his IMDb. And when I saw Raising Arizona, Arizona, I got real excited because I love that movie. Um, Holly Hunter is an incredible actress. Um Oh, she's also in The Incredibles. I mean, yeah, she has one she's good superhero movie. Yeah. Um, but you should she's not have talked about sick. Angela Bassett. Oh, sorry. <laughs> like, love, love, love Angela Bassett. I, ju- I just wanted to make a point because I keep seeing that trailer before movies and I'm like, Ugh, I'm going to enjoy this. All right, guys. That was our cast for The Rock, rounding out our five. You know what time it is. It's time for Where Does Barry Pepper Go? Bernard Pepar. Bernard oh. Pepar. Where, where, oh, where does Bernard Barry, Pepar... Barry, what's his, what's his given name? His given name cannot be Barry. 
Um, Unless it is. And eh, we can figure that out. Um, I cast Barry Pepper as Commander. A- First of all, here's the thing there are a million characters in this movie. It is insane the number of characters. So many character movie. actors, too, that oh. are playing this role. Um, sometimes I would find an actor and be like, they don't fit any of these five characters, but they would be in this movie. Just to run down the list of other characters that we've missed and who's played them David Morse, Michael Bean, William Forsyth, John C. McGintley. Um, Tony Todd, Tony Todd, Bokeem Woodbine. I mean, there's a slew of people that you're just, I mean, Claire Forlani, the slew of people you're just like, oh my God, this guy. It's insane. So I pick, oh, you know who we're forgetting? Our our favorite boy is in here. Fabrizio is in this movie. He is? Yes. (gasps) He is. Fabrizio is in this movie. I go to America. Because I paid, I hadn't. I laughed really hard during that part where they ask him to explain something and he's like, it's the thing of it's like this. And you're like, who is this guy? I looked him up and was like, oh my gosh, it's Fabrizio. Oh yeah. He plays the guy who's down in the tunnel with Mason and Goodspeed. And then everyone up top is just getting slaughtered because they're in this like kill box. Yeah. And then Goodspeed's just like, don't go, don't go. He's like, no, you gotta go. And you're like, why would you ever? up there you were a trained military soldier you know that that's the worst thing that you could yeah. do oh my god that more bungling more bungling i don't insane. know insane okay so for i put barry pepper as commander anderson who is uh the character michael bean played they're the guy who is leading them into alcatraz but then dies immediately immediately in the shower he, room massacre He has a great speech though yeah. He's the one who's just like, he why, what, he, he's another character who's just like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you doing this? No, none of this makes sense. You, yeah. yeah um, I, I put Barry in a very similar role, but on the other side of the fence, I put him as major Tom Baxter played by David mm. Morse. Um, I just thought it would be interesting to have him on the side of take that turn where like you think he's going to shoot yeah. Ed Harris and then he doesn't. Yeah. But then you realize, yeah, Barry Pepper is a loyal guy. <laughs> Barry Pepper would never. Would never. Okay. Um, any other bits about this movie that you got? Um, the best actor in this movie is the trolley driver. Damn! This sucks! Where's that son of a bitch down? I don't hunt him down! That motherfucker ain't safe somewhere! I don't have him up by him! Again, a moment in this movie that I was like, how have I missed this every time before? This man is taking his opportunity. But the the bit character, quote unquote bit character, I really want to talk about is Marvin, the trainee in the chemical lab played by Todd (laughs) Luiso. Yeah. Luiso? I don't know how you pronounce his name. But (laughs) Marvin needed to be in this whole movie. The fact that like, what is he, where does he say he's going to go? He's like, I'm going to get a job at a... At Orkin or something like that. Hey, Stan, listen, I'm getting out of this government shithole. I'm going over to Orkin to design roach motels. Cool, huh? He's like, I'm going to get out of here because he almost dies. I know. I just love that he's just holding the needle and he's just like, get me out of here. I almost stabbed myself in the heart <laughs> with this thing. Everything about it is just like, it's just so funny. And um, unfortunately, like knowing a lot about like how Michael Bay like makes his movies he casts all these really great actors mm-hmm. to just like improvise all these bits. And it would, but it, this actor was so good that I was just like, I just wish they found a way to like keep him around somehow. Do you um, think people start <clears throat> to buy into the Michael Bay style after a while? Like, do you think, because it's insane to watch, but do you think at a certain point, Nicolas Cage is like, like, you know, he's feeling it. It's that great hero moment of all the cars have crashed. Nicolas Cage is literally just standing up. And it is this like sweeping mm-hmm. uh, shot just like moving around him. And I was like, he's buying what he's selling a little bit. Okay. This is what I think. If Michael Bay is invested in the story that he's telling, his style works. So like the story on bad boys this is his first movie and he knew if he didn't deliver this movie he would never make another movie again hmm. and it's incredible and it's mainly because the performances are so captivating like will smith and martin lawrence have such great chemistry right. that the movie works but he he shot the shit out of it you know mm-hmm. this one i think he he also really 
invested his time. And I think like Pain and Gain, one of his more recent ones, he like really, you didn't like Pain and Gain? I didn't see it. I thought it was, really see it. I think it's really, really good. And it's a really interesting story. And I think you can tell that he's invested in these, these stories. Transformers, I don't think he gives two craps. I honestly think he's just like, let's just blow shit up and let's show Megan Fox's butt, you know, <laughs> from below. And um, let's make her likes. as like glistening as possible. I really don't think in those type of movies that he really cares. And that's when I think his style becomes separated from – it's like oil and water just starts separating and you can just sort of see it as gratuitous and – gaudy <clears throat> but i think when he's invested and he uses his skill to craft you know the story that's in front of him i think his style really adds a lot which is strange i know because i mean his name is synonymous with bad movies but i yeah. don't think he's i think he's made enough good movies that you know you have to kind of like we're doing now is sit here and talk about how he shoots stuff like how he followed through on tony todd's death when we really didn't have to <clears throat> wait what you know how Nicolas Cage like delivers the insane line of like, do, "Are you a fan of Elton John? Do you know? I can't do an, I can't do any impressions, but you're the Rocket I just Man trying to make him sound dumb. When he's like, "You're the Rocket Man," we assume he's dead. We assume that this rocket is taking him to his death, but no. We then go outside where we see the rocket sort of just like push him out of the way and he falls. He's like impaled by a fence. Yeah. Why? Brian, why? (laughs) You have to ask him. (laughs) He shoots really fast. Maybe they made their day like really early. And he's just like, wouldn't it be cooler if this character just got impaled? So we know he's, I mean, the missile might not blow up. It might just blow him out to sea. And his whole team was like, no, Michael. But I, I know if a <laughs> rocket slams into your chest, you'd be dead in, in, instantly. But yeah. Um, all right. That's it, guys. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The Boot. Kenna, where can fans of ours find us? There's so many fans. So many you fans. can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find this podcast, us together as one on social media at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. You can find us separately on social media because we're not attached to the hip at Kenna Trent and at Flynn B. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. If you like this podcast, check out our other podcasts. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please tell your friends and we'll see you next time. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Carla was the prom queen. queen.